Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oscar Watch Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Buja. Uh, sadly, Alex Riviello uh, is not here this week. His uh, time here is a little in flux, but we will press on. We wish him all the best in finding stability in his professional life. But And he will come back. He is, of course, always welcome back here. The show must go on. So joining me tonight... For a very special episode is a very special guest. He is, let me see here, he is a author. He is a television personality working behind the stage. I just learned he is also now a theater director and uh, a podcast host. And I am sure I'm missing not a, half a dozen other things. He is a good <laughs> friend, longtime friend, Mr. Stephen Van Patten. SVP, how? Uh, just, oh my God! How are you doing? I'm just so my excited man. to have you here. My <laughs> man. man, Daddy, Daddy, yeah. Daddy, you had a baby. I had a, oh I had a baby. Uh, that's that's wild. Oh, that's, that's, well, congrats. <laughs> yeah. Man, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, that's, man. That with, with all that stuff you talk, I want to talk about the baby actually, but. <laughs> okay. um, you know, but no, seriously, congrats. I'm so happy for you on that. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. You have time for podcasts and stuff like that these days. Uh, I have, uh, I have, there has been negotiations and we have carved out some time for this and okay. uh, we're just, right. trying, trying to make it work. You know, sometimes it's good to remember who you are outside of, outside of the baby. Uh, wife has, wife has got her right now. She was just fed. She's peaceful. Hopefully it's not too much, but if you hear crying, the baby could bust right in like the uh like the like the Korean like, guy. Like the Korean, yeah, Korean expert <laughs> dude. The, <laughs> the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> Any of that. Um so uh SVP, SVP I I hate to admit I'm a bad friend. Uh I haven't really been uh you know, we haven't seen each other in a while. What have you just what have you been doing? Tell the audience who you are. You got the you got the horror trilogy, you got the um you got the podcast. What do you do? Why should people listen? Because they should. They should read all your stuff. They should follow you. They should be your best friend. What are you all about? All right. Um, well, let's see. Uh, so first of all, uh, just to recap, you and I met through the, uh, basically through the miracles of alcohol consumption. And um, and Matt Kroll. And, and Matt Kroll. <laughs> yeah. And Right. Those two things, you know, coming together. Uh, and then we were, uh, you know, doing same night movie review stuff for a while and, and all of that. Uh, and of course, when that happened, I was working at MTV. MTV got rid of Total Request Live. Uh, I went on to work for Fuse. I did the first season of Dr. Oz. I did, um, and this is just the TV stuff, uh, <laughs> went on to uh, Totally Biased and now, after doing um, about a season or so at uh, the nightly show with Larry Wilmore, which unfortunately uh, was another casualty uh, of the yeah. uh, of the industry, um, now I'm actually back at MTV at oh, least okay. a couple of days a week, just kind of um, helping out with a little something to, to build up while and out, even though it doesn't really need any building up it's just uh they wanted to to throw in some extra uh interstitials that are live and sort of like a party atmosphere so that's that's what's going on on that end um to get 
to the author thing that you were talking about, uh, as, as you know, um, I have the trilogy of vampire novels, Brookwater's mm -hmm. Curse, Volumes 1, 2, and Brookwater's Curse 3, uh, Extinction Agenda, because I was feeling fancy that day. <laughs> yeah. um, which which, uh, which I have to say, I am actually a character in uh, in those books. That's which I'm right. So happy, that's which right. I'm like, oh, that's ago, my immortality. <laughs> long time ago, you won a contest. That's I right. Did, I did. I did. And I had to make you... Uh, and. And actually, you you start off as as a very nice typical human, and you you know not to spoil it for folks, but you're here, so what the fuck? <laughs> That's um, you know, you're a vampire now. You're, you're actually, you actually become a vampire in book three, which um, I think people seem to uh, seem to have enjoyed. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed. I, I know friends of yours did. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so so that happened. Um, I also released. Uh, last year, uh, a serial killer novel, uh, oh, hyper-intelligent yeah. black female serial killer. Uh, and the name of that book is Killer Genius. She kills because she cares. Uh, <laughs> she has a very definitive socio-political agenda, and um, it actually got nominated uh, Best Mystery Suspense Novel in 2016 by the African American Literary Show Award. I didn't win, but I was up against folks like Walter Mosley and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I oh, yeah. kind of just went it's, I kind of just went to the award ceremony just to kind of feel it out. And it was weird being at an award ceremony <laughs> and not working. It's like, oh, you want me to oh, oh, oh. step and repeat. Right. I'm, I'm <laughs> here. You know, it was that kind of a thing. It gave me a, a, a gift bag full of hair care products I would never use. Uh and, and, and <laughs> And uh, after you know, after the the lovely ceremony, I got drunk, and yeah, that's 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 what's going on with that. A couple of short stories of mine are getting floated around. Um, <clears throat> I got one story in Hell's Kitties, which is a horror <laughs> anthology. My story in particular is about a cat that protects its owner from demons that are coming to the door, pretending they're Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, I and like later, it. I yeah, like and later this year, uh, we have Nightmare on 34th Street, and I'm not I'm not gonna give away too much of that. Let's just say it's a big supernatural brawl in the middle of Macy's. <laughs> oh, that sounds that sounds fantastic! I look forward to uh, to, uh, to reading those, especially that one. You know, I love a good uh, uh, sort of anti Christmas story with a little a little dark twist on it. Oh, and I, oh, oh! I did another one. I'm, I'm shopping <laughs> this. I'm shopping this. I'm trying. Speaking of Christmas stories, um, it's about an incubus, which uh -huh. is basically a sexual vampire. Uh, for right. Listeners that don't know, um, that pretends it's Santa Claus to get next to lonely women. But, but he actually takes—he actually takes being Santa Claus very seriously. <laughs> Because he, you know, he he, bring, he does bring the gifts and the Xboxes and all that other stuff, but he, uh, yeah, he his main thing is, you know, he's he's got to get some nookie in order to survive. So he's got to do his thing. Right. <laughs> uh, well, uh, people, audience, be on the lookout for that coming out hopefully soon. Hopefully, somebody picks that up and publishes it. Yeah, much. it's being auditioned right now, so yeah. we'll we'll see what happens. All right. Brickwater's Curse can be found on Amazon and other online retailers. Yes. 
uh, pretty much every digital platform. Awesome. I Killer, have... Gen- Killer Genius only on Kindle, but that's that was the publisher. That's a separate publisher. So, you know, separate publisher, separate deal, that kind of a that kind of a thing. Okay. Well, find find him. Pause this podcast. Go f- go download that. Read the first chapter. Come back. Listen to this podcast and then finish reading. Just 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 telling you what to do. But SCP, I could talk about you. Yeah. Probably all night long. I love. I just want to. I just want to hear your story. But we are actually. I have invited you here uh, because a. I needed a co-host apparently, and b. You you picked this week's movie. Actually, you picked. This I week's did. Movie. Yes. Remember, we are. Well, this is, this is Oscar Watch. We talk about movies that won Best Picture, and there was a recent movie that won Best Picture, and that movie is Moonlight, yes. 2016 Best Picture winner, directed by Barry Jenkins. All the drama. You remember envelope gate and i i didn't think this i didn't think we'd get to this one so soon but i'm so glad we did and i am so glad you are here to bring your perspective onto it plus also a i get to talk to you about movies and that was always one of my favorite things to do whenever whenever we got together so uh we're yeah so we're going to take a very short break and when we come back we're going to dissect Envelope Gate and the arrest of the 89th Academy Awards. So stick around. We lost, by the way, but you know. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, there's a mistake. mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. This is not a joke. This is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. Moonlight, Best Picture. Very unfortunate what happened. Personally, I blame Steve Harvey for this. I would like to see you get an Oscar anyway. Why can't we just give out a whole bunch of them? I'm going to be really proud to hand this to my friends from Moonlight. That's nice of you. That's very nice. Uh, Hello. Hello. I, I want... Warren, what did you do? I want to tell you what happened. I opened the envelope, and it said, Emma Stone, La La Land. That's why I took such a long look at Faye and at you. I wasn't trying to be funny. (laughs) Well, you were funny. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Wow, this is... This um... is Moonlight, the best picture. Yeah. Okay. Moonlight, best picture of 2016. It took home three Academy Awards. Best picture, obviously. Best supporting actor for Mahershala Ali. Yeah. Yeah. And best adapted screenplay based on a unproduced play written by Terrell Alvin McCraney. Uh, and uh, co-written by uh, director Barry Jenkins as well. I do have to say, Mahershala Ali... Not only is he super talented, he was crushing it in 2016. That was his year. Cottonmouth, best part of Luke Cage. Really was. Yes, absolutely. 
also, also appeared in Hidden Figures alongside Janelle Monet, which he appeared in here, and one of the mm-hmm. most one of the most beautiful men I have ever seen. Definite man crush right there. Yeah, <laughs> good looking dude. Yeah, good. Look- oh, and uh, the first Muslim uh, actor to ever win uh, a uh, as a acting Oscar, at least Muslim American actor. Uh, just a, just a great, great and wonderful. Absolutely deserved it. Very small role. Very powerful. It, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, it was only like a third of the movie, but definitely, uh, definitely a pivotal character, and definitely like not the atypical black movie drug dealer by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so yeah, many, many kudos to him on that. Yeah, he he. he... They took like you know, hooker with heart of, like some like a bad person with a heart of gold is a it's an easily manipulated trope that always feels kind of forced. This mm-hmm. is he's drug dealer, he's Juan, he's drug dealer with a heart of gold. It it feels so natural, and yeah, he, and he he plays it so he could he could go overly thuggish, he could have gone overly sentimental. He just he he rides the line. It's uh, he's 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 great at it. He's great at it. So. Uh, yeah. So three Academy Awards, sadly, like a lot of the, a lot of films recently, due to the new voting process, they have not won all that many. Spotlight only won two, I believe. Mm-hmm. Moonlight won, wins three, but it was nominated for eight others: uh, Best Director Barry Jenkins, mm-hmm. Best Supporting Actress Naomi Harris, who does not get a lot of love, and it makes me angry that they decided to put Viola as supporting actress for Fences when clearly she should have been main actress. Because it would have been great if, like that, I yeah, that did that was kind of disturbing. It, yeah, it, it was weird because Viola Davis was nominated. You know, she won the I think the Tony for her role, but it was for leading actress when she performed the stage production. But either yeah. here or there, I guess I it was uh, this that was on, honestly straight up politicking. They were like Emma Stone's going to win Best Actress, so we're going to put Viola in as supporting actress, which is a guaranteed win. But I don't want to see a. A win. I don't want to see a best supporting actress from Viola Davis. I don't want to see a best actress by Viola Davis. He's wonderful. Agreed. Mm-hmm. He really is. Yeah. Uh, it also picked up a nomination for best original score, uh, which I, I mean the 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 music cr- created for the film was great. But also, I have to say, the soundtrack is like, like I I, I enjoy this as a white dude with no sense of like really any music <laughs> outside of rock and like in in indie in indie folk. I'm like. This is all this is great. It was, <laughs> but was well, in an odd way, kind of. I remember thinking somehow Curtis Mayfield kind of drifted into my mind <laughs> while I was watching this movie. It was, uh, yeah, it was very surreal, very, very like I, I actually had a moment at, at one point. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, best cinematography. Definitely uh, an earned nomination and best editing as well. This is this thing clocks in at under at under two hours, which we've seen some long ass movies on this show, and it's it's really nice to have something that's a little a little leaner that you can ri- see on maybe two long subway rides if you if you want, or one very long subway ro- subway ride. I have to right. watch I have to watch all my movies on the subway. There's no time because of the baby and whatnot, but the power remains nonetheless. Um, this was after 89 years of giving out the Academy Awards. This was the first all-black cast starring film to win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Uh, we will obviously that's we're getting, right. Yes, obviously we're getting to uh, envelope gate soon. But there was a very, 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 very tall mountain that uh, Moonlight had to climb over in order to come out, come away with the win, a come from behind victory. There were mm-hmm. eight other nominees, but really there was only one other nominee. Wait, plus three. Yep, there. There's really only one. And that was La La Land, which took home six wins out of yeah. 14 total nominations. Tied a record was uh, Talk of the Town was uh, it's a very good movie. Don't get me wrong. It's a mm-hmm. good movie. I enjoy the craft in it. I think it's uh, uh, certainly all of its technical wins are well-deserved. Extremely well-directed. Damien Chazelle is a great talent. I look forward to seeing what he what he's doing. But this was the movie to to beat, and everyone assumed that you know when you get fourteen nominations, you get best picture. All the you movies, get best picture. You get the yeah, last. but uh, yeah, I, you know, unfortunately, I didn't see La La Land, but I, I heard just like you said, I heard a lot of great things, and um, just just backtracking a little bit, uh, I didn't actually watch the whole ceremony for a couple of reasons. One, <laughs> okay. One, Walking Dead was on, and that kind of falls in, you know, into my priority as a horror guy. And secondly, I, 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 even if I have nothing to do and, a, and an award show is on, I have to take it in bits and pieces. Because as a stage manager, I start feeling anxiety. <laughs> and shit starts happening, and, and you know people are like not quite where they're supposed to be. Or like with the Grammys, when they had the Gaga... Um, uh metallica uh performance and um james hatfield's microphone wasn't on um you know it's like stuff like that it's like it just makes me anxious and it's like and i know some of those guys so then i start to feel some kind of way and i'm like oh my god i can't guys are probably just like eating all kinds of shit right now over headset like it's i mean i don't know um but i i would just imagine it's it's just when you're stage managing a big thing like that and something goes wrong, it's it's got to be the most horrible, horrible fucking feeling in the world. Right. So, uh, you know, it, it's like you're like just sitting at home. I can't really take it. You know? yeah. so, so did you? So, I mean, we'll, we'll just get right to it. Did you see Warren Beatty and the whole? Well, I the did whole, see that. OK. Yes. As as it was happening. As it was happening, I did see that. Just like just by some, I don't know, twist of fate, I managed to be like, okay, I wonder what's going on. Click, click. Oh shit! <laughs> and it was like, and, and uh, the best part is, a couple of days later, Jimmy Kimmel is is saying that it was actually Denzel Washington that actually kind of guided him through keeping that under control. <laughs> Wow. Um, it was a funny, yeah, it was the funniest thing. It was like, it was like, I was, I was really like, I was all flustered. And all of a sudden I hear Denzel's, I hear somebody saying, hey, Jimmy, get, get the microphone to this guy and do this. And it's Denzel Washington. <laughs> Denzel Washington is telling me to do, it was, it was the funniest thing. It's on, I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. I'm, I'm sure it is. But, um, but like, but like, like panic attack going out to your fellow, your fellow stage and your, your yeah, stage yeah. managers. And I mean, honestly, it's like, um, I mean, I've never worked the Oscars, so I don't know who's handling the 
the whole award thing. I've worked on award shows where I'm the guy that's doing that. Oh. So my immediate reaction was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Somebody's going to get roasted. And this is also, you know, this is also kind of sort of on the tail end of that Mariah nonsense. Oh, right. So, oh. You know, so everybody's like looking at TV crews now like, oh, well, you guys, this, this, that, and the other thing. Because unfortunately, some people, you know, who don't work behind the scenes or whatever, they're going to hear Mariah Carey blurt out something nonsensical. And they're going to take that as to actually what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and, if, you know, it, it, so it, it's like as a as a member of the industry. You know, it, it just it just gave me such a feeling of it, it was like, well, it was kind of a relief because it was like, OK, well, I'm not there. So at least I'm not <laughs> going to get yelled at. But it's like, oh, my God, like like everybody there must must just feel so, so messed up right now. Um, but then come to find out that it was actually a Price Waterhouse dude that screwed up like that. And and, and he screwed up because he was tweeting. Mm-hmm. Some some nonsense. Woo! Now head was heads did roll, did roll, and they indeed. did. Yes, yeah. they did. All right. Uh, so it was. It's probably one of the most memorable Oscar moments, literally of all time. I think this this will be in all the clip re- clip shows, highlight reels. They'll be talking about it next year. Be like, oh, we're gonna have pr- protections. We're gonna change the font and everything so people know what's being read. So La La Land gets announced as Best Picture winner. We all go, that makes sense. Of course it does. It won six Academy Awards. Why wouldn't it win seven? Then they go, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Moonlight gets it. And uh, SVP, I have to ask, as a as a black man, just what are the optics there? And how how did that make you feel that there is this triumphant moment and yet it is undercut by this by this bullshit well <laughs> you know uh uh and not to not to turn the uh the discussion too far away from movies but to be honest ever ever since uh a certain person got elected president of the united states uh i think even more so than ever uh people are kind of bracing themselves for disappointment so <laughs> It's it's like when 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 they did first of all when the movie didn't appear to win it was like uh all right uh, but then to have it like you said undercut um you know like right away like black Twitter went bananas they, they, it was like <laughs> like like the phrase that's some bullshit must have come up on my screen like like in, in like a grocery list but. It was just that's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. Um, yeah, uh, and, and I mean, the whatever the acceptance speeches were, those those speeches needed to to happen that night, and and especially when you consider that um, <clears throat> there was talk of well, you know, if speech like 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 Trump supporters were actually out saying that um, they were going to boycott or, or to change the channel if, if people started making too many like anti-Trump oh, speeches or, 
or, or something like that. And, you know, it's like, first of all, were you going to watch the Oscars in the first place? Like that, that sort of thing, when that, when that happens, <laughs> you know, it's like, first of all, you can't, you know, if you're down with a dictatorship, then at best, you haven't been watching science fiction for the past 20 years. So it, it, it's like for me, you know, if you, when you, when people threaten these boycotts, like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna boycott Hamilton. You weren't going to Hamilton in the first place. <laughs> you know, it's like, how are you? <laughs> it's like, how how are you going to something you're too broke to afford and too racist to appreciate? It's like, what are you talking about? You know, it's like, so I, I, you know, it's, it was unfortunate, but at the same time, it, it was a, it was a bitter, it reduced it to a very bittersweet victory because, you know, it, it's like they won, but they didn't really get it. They didn't really get to shine in it. Right. And that's, and that was the problem. Right. And, and I think, and you bring it up and obviously we'll, we'll get to it that in terms of what the country needed, like we've had, we, we just went through a very huge election snafu that now is fraught with so many just schadenfreude-esque uh, uh, things currently that what we really needed was just, just, well, just give me some election that isn't decided or redone or just, there's no doubt about it. And we, didn't have that, and the fact that it was it was Moonlight over La La Land, which was this, you know, it 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 became the symbol of 2016. You got honestly like the whitest people in the world, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Who, <laughs> they're beautiful and they're talented. Can't really sing or dance all that all that well against the little the this little incredible little, incredible portrait of uh, a specific Black American experience, and they're going up against each other, and you're like, this is this is Trump, this is. It's not not Trump and Hillary, but it's it feels like it's the the, the, the big guys and the little guys, and mm-hmm. the big guys win and then they don't win, and the, but the little guys win, but they don't. It's it, it just felt so appropriate, appropriate. But you, I just wish it had happened in a different way that the little guys won outright, and that was it. But now we are left with this whole with this messy situation that will be corrected later on, and uh, sort of everyone goes home dissatisfied a little bit la la land yeah. guys go home that they had it and lost moonlight goes you know goes home oh, yeah, because they I'm, didn't get I'm it very sure yeah absolutely for the la la land people that had to be a big you know yeah. wtf they'd, like, they'd given they'd give their speeches and everything but right exactly yeah. yeah but we are we are running over on this section uh the last last bit on the uh, the academy awards envelope gate i will add is that uh ladies and gentlemen that is Academy Award winning Suicide Squad. <laughs> and we'll be right back to t- discuss Moonlight. Stick around. I've been here a long time. And I'm from Cuba. A lot of black folks in Cuba. You wouldn't know that from being here, though. I was a wild little shorty, man. Just like you. Running around with no shoes on, the moon's out. This one time, I run by this old, this old lady. I was running, hollering, cutting a food, boy. 
this old lady, she stopped me. And she said, running around, catching a boy that light. In moonlight, black boys look blue. You blue. That's why I go call you. Blue. Say your name, Blue. <laughs> nah. At some point, you gotta decide for yourself who you gonna be. Can't let nobody make that decision. Okay, SVP, the time has come to talk about Moonlight. And I guess the question that you know, we'll sort of color uh, this entire conversation is that <laughs> the experiences that uh, you and I have for this movie are vastly different. I am mm -hmm. uh, in no way, shape, or form connected to this world through uh, really any any definition of the word. Uh, you are a black man living in America from the city. How does your how did how did your experience shape your viewing, uh, and understanding, and I suppose general in, uh, enjoyment or non enjoyment of this film? Well, to a large degree, um, I knew those people, you know, uh, and I mean not exactly, but I definitely as I came up as a kid, I definitely met people that were very similar to the people portrayed in that movie. Um, I knew drug dealers. I knew um, guys who, you know, had <clears throat> sexual preferences, things going on that, you know, they ended up having to try to keep to themselves and hide and mask and, and all that stuff. I mean, and I mean, I sympathized with them in a way for the simple fact that, you know, I had, until I got to a certain age and stopped giving a fuck, you know, I you know, I had I hid the fact that I was into comics and science fiction and, and all that other stuff uh for years. Um because the bullying is you know, the bullying that's in this movie, uh that's it's no joke and that's real. Um and and it it can happen at a moment's notice, and if you're not like mentally and physically prepared to just start throwing hands. You know, that that can be your life, you know. Um, and it's funny, too, because once I really sat, you know, while I'm in the theater, I sat down and I'm absorbing everything. I'm bracing. The, the funny thing is I'm bracing myself for a much sadder experience. Yeah. And I mean, <clears throat> because let's face it, you know, most movies, uh, the main character is some, some, you know, is a black drug dealer. Uh, it, it generally doesn't, you know, it doesn't go well. No. Uh, so right away, I, I, I'm, I'm bracing myself for worse things. And what it really kind of turned into is, I mean, it was, it was a healthy reminder that being a teenager at, at any color, uh, sucks. Um, it was, uh, it, it, or it can suck if you're in the wrong circumstance, wrong school, you know, you got the wrong clothes. People know too much about your business. You know, your mom's on drugs or this and that. It's like it's like it was a healthy dose of 
hey, remember this? <laughs> but um, somewhere along along the, the, the way, it instead of going the typical route of every, you know, uh, he, <clears throat> he, him becoming a drug dealer and, 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 and kind of going out in some old Scarface blaze of glory, look at me, my top of the world kind of kind of thing. It, it, it turned into a love story. And it was like, wow, okay. You know, and, and there was, there was <clears throat> like, you, you actually felt a sense of redemption at the end of the movie. A, a, at least I did. I so. it, it, um, it's, a, it's a film that plays with expectations. It's one that is mm -hmm. concerned a lot with identity. Uh, both on a personal level, uh, like Chevron, he's always questioning and like being questioned about himself. Like, uh, who is you? Uh, I think Kevin asked towards the end, and you know, you know, he has to he has to learn about like what the uh, the F word is. Which I really I don't like saying that word from uh, from Juan. Um, but it yeah. Uh, but I guess you know I'm gonna show my English major here and say as polonius in hamlet said uh to your own self be true mm. but what uh what is that truth for chiron and sub question can you be both gay and a drug dealer can you be hard yet soft or is that really is that just being a person that and is it and is the revelation there that we've never seen a drug dealer like this before well you know, let, let's not let's not overlook the fact that uh, Black Lil Sharon, wh whichever name you want to want to use, uh, let's not forget the fact that my man hit the weights by the end of the movie. So <laughs> it's like it's like you be what you want to be, bro. It's, like, it's all good, you know. Uh, from my end, look, um, being somebody that grew up in Brooklyn when crack first landed. And I'll, I'll remind everybody of a movie that, that depicts that in a different way, uh, New Jack City. New Jack City was a pretty good illustration of how things drastically changed for the worse in everybody's world. Um, you know, because before the crack dealing, you could, if you had a dispute with a fellow classmate guy from the neighborhood or so on, you could, as they would say, get a fair one. And a fair one would just be a basic fist fight. Maybe somebody would get extra mad and pick up a bat or something. But it wasn't until the crack dealing and the guns and the, all the others, because it, it, it's like, and, you know, I, I realized that a lot of people wouldn't know this unless they were in downtown Brooklyn and in certain areas at the time. But back in the day, you could have a full-on impromptu block party. Guys would come out. They would actually hook up into the street lamps. They, were that, they had that much ingenuity. They would hook their bass amps and speakers and all that stuff into the street lamps, and, and they would rock out, and they would have a great time. And, yeah, there'd be a little friction, this guy, that guy, whatever. Uh, you know, but for the most part, it was all love, and then the crack thing came and, and, and turned everything upside down. Now, me personally, I had no, no aspirations to be a drug dealer. And really, <clears throat> I had kind of set it, 
I had kind of put it out there that I was much too nice of a guy. So <laughs> the thing is, the thing is for me to then turn around as much as I do love loose women in cars, um, I, I, there's no way I could have gone down that road safely because one, my mother would have killed me. And two, in order to get to acquire the natural, the, the, the required street cred that I would have been able to deal drugs safely, I would have probably had to kill every man, woman, and child in Fort Greene Project. So it, it was like, you know, as opposed to the tough guys that were already established and could just be like, yeah, son, so what's up? You know, um, you know, it, it, it's, and it's sad because, well, Fort Greene isn't like that anymore, obviously. No. Uh, really not like that anymore. <laughs> I mean... I can take my baby to Fort Greene. It's fine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, granted, there's probably there's probably some guy a couple of floors from my mother uh, with, like, some little hydroponic lab with praying mantises and lamps and shit. But, I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it's not even close to the same thing um but every place that that isn't fort green is a lot like the neighborhood that's depicted in 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 this movie and it's kind of like a forgotten thing and it's you know it's one of those things that to be honest it's like unless it's affecting certain people it goes overlooked right and uh you know it, it it's it it was a it was a great depiction of that from the sense of and it was, it was a nice variation from the New Jack City way of doing things because in New Jack City Wesley Snipes is basically a a psychopath. Right. Juan is is a drug dealer but he's a human being. So it's less it, it's you know it's less of a a, a monster drug dealer uh stereotype and and that and i honestly i think that's what won him the oscar the fact that he wasn't nino brown he wasn't denzel in training day he was he was something we haven't seen yeah except unless you've been on those streets right he's something the academy members who and like people like me have not seen oh definitely definitely not which there is there's a lot there's a lot of power in that it's you know saying uh, you know as, as the call to identity the question of identity was that you can be a drug dealer and be and have this very deeply personal relationship with this child and have and spend a a literal transcendent day you know day at the beach yeah and, taught him how to swim yeah taught him, yeah taught him that how to was swim. beautiful yeah, and you can die. And spoiler alert: you can die off camera in what we assume is probably some sort of violent, violent means. We yeah, don't ha- we don't have to see it. And yeah, and, yeah and like like what like when we learn that there was a funeral, we go that you know I instinctively know that Juan probably did not go down. You know, you know he didn't die of like cancer or hit by a bus or something. He got he got popped. But yeah. but that was not the point of him. That was absolutely not the point of him. And, uh, I, that's a, a lot of the, so much of the movie uh, is based on this i the, this idea that we are all more than we appear we are the hard we are a hard drug dealer but you know we're still you know a gay man who you know has never like really touched anybody else or has anybody has had anybody touch them it's it's, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful uh, it's such a beautiful thing um it is yeah uh 
moving on to so we have the the three x it's a three x play essentially we have you know a, the 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 baby the teenager and we have have the adult and i have to say that i know barry i know damien chazelle won the best uh directing oscar i think rightfully mm-hmm. so but to be able to direct three different people and not not like a like boyhood way where it's just like the same kid just growing up but to get to these three separate individuals get them all into creating this one person because i i firmly believe this is like oh this is clearly all the same person uh mm-hmm. tremendous and i do, but i do have to i do have to wonder sometimes uh there's the the director i'm curious if if you might if you might know this as somebody who has probably a a look into the inner mind of a director for instance what are some of the instructions you give the little kids on this particular scene like hey you're going to rest hey little uh, hey little you're going to wrestle kevin over there go ahead and it's going to be cut really weird <laughs> i i i, I right <clears throat> you probably don't discuss you probably don't discuss how it's being orchestrated overall. You just kind <clears> of, <throat> I, I would imagine with the kids, there was a lot of, okay, um, they probably took their time in rehearsal and whatever. And they probably, you know, as they went over the lines, it's like, okay, remember to say it like this. Right. Because a lot, because a lot can be accomplished um, and a lot can change in, in terms of dialogue with, with cadence inflection and, and, and all of that. So, uh, I, you know, to your point, the fact that he probably didn't, ex- you know, sit down with the kids and be like, okay, so, you know, when, when your characters grow up, they're going to be, you know, like a couple of gay guys and they're going to be a couple, maybe, you know, it, it's like, probably didn't explain that to the kids, probably <laughs> yeah. just kind of like controlled. It was probably just a lot of control in how they worded their stuff. Uh, you know that that's 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 what I'm thinking. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because that because honestly, I, I can't think of another way that you accomplish that with little kids without it becoming an issue. <laughs> yep, I, I I imagine there would. I wonder if he got any calls from maybe a little upset parents after the premiere <laughs> when the kids came. Well, I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. But uh, but I I guess going going off of that. That technically speaking, the film uh, is brilliant. There's the, mm-hmm. the, uh, there's that wrestling scene which is played like uh, like uh, like a like a first a sexual encounter. There's the actual sexual encounter, which is um, like just so touching. And just the way he the way he uses the camera. There is a scene at the end when Chiron is at the diner down in Miami, mm-hmm. and Kevin. Is making him the chef special, and mm-hmm. this is the sexiest thing I've seen on screen uh, in years. It's just like, oh my god, this is sensual. I could smell the rice that he is that he is cooking, and just the way it's being prepared. You're just like, I know that you know. You, you say that love is the secret ingredient a lot, but like, there is so much secret ingredient in that. 
I gotta admit, the, the chef special that did look. I was like, is that tilapia? I was trying <laughs> as he was doing it. I was kind of dissecting it. I was like, all right, wait, all right. So okay, so that's that's how you get the rice to, to take that shape. That's all right. So yeah, and then I was like, right, Miami, Cuban influence. There you <laughs> yeah. go. All right, right, no, no, that made sense. Um, <laughs> you know, no, it was it was it was very cool. It was very cool. Yeah, it was, and just. You know they you know they say a lot of um, movies are you know it's dialogue it's dialogue it's dialogue screenplays are dialogue etc. There's a lot unsaid in here. They it they tell it's a movie that is told so wonderfully with the visuals that you don't actually have to say anything. Like, yeah. The, <clears throat> that opening shot with Mahershala Ali, where it's yeah you know, like like they're like him and him and his him and his uh, his corner boy is that the is that the word are are talking. Yeah. But. And they're they're helping to establish everything. Uh, the the final shot is great. Uh, what what are your thoughts on the on the cinematography as someone who's a fan of the visual arts? Um, <clears throat> well, I, I did notice, and a lot of excellent lighting, and which is you know it, obviously where the title comes in and everything. The whole blueless blueness of night with black skin that. Mm-hmm. The way they did that, I, I got to admit, I have not seen that in in a lot of stuff outside of graphic novels uh, illustrated by African-Americans. Um, very, very beautifully done. Very beautifully done. Yeah. It truly is. Truly is. Uh, I know we don't like to play favorites, really, but do you have a standout performance from... Either from from anyone here, one of the kids, uh, the kids, the teenager, the adults. The kids were great. Um, <clears throat> the young man playing teenage Tyrone, uh, he was like when he was storming through that school. I, yes. I knew it was over. I knew it was over. It was a wrap. It was just like okay, I, I like, like. It, it, it in the, the suspense that like every door that he hits as he slams through the school and every it's like yeah okay it's going down uh, now it's like oh shit there were there like, were, yeah I remember equal parts like exultation like oh and <gasps> and gasps like oh he just he just screwed everything up but like it you know it felt really good because screw Terrell man Terrell was a dick yes he was. Uh, he was... completely deserved that. Yeah, yeah. Just oh, man, and just uh, that, like that scene where he forces Kevin to hit Chiron, you know, the uh, knockdown stand up or whatever the whatever the game was called. Uh, that was. It's one of those things where I'm like, that can't possibly have happened. But I'm like, oh, no, this feels like it could be a real thing, and it just it it hurt my heart. Because of the scene that Kevin and Chiron had just had, but they have to protect themselves, you know. Like Kevin, Kevin can't give up. Yeah. Kevin can't give up the game either, because you know he's like, you know, he did this, but you know he was, he was, you know, banging that other girl. So he's, he's got to keep up the the machismo of it. That's right. And uh, but but that's the thing. A lot of people will miss the point that Kevin is as much the victim in that scene yes. as Chiron is. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, he's, you know, just be yeah. He's a victim. They're all, we're all victims of the social conditioning of identity of teenage you know, chicanery and bullying. That yeah, 
you know, and they don't and they don't get to they don't get to talk about it until so much later so there's this there's so much left unsaid and it it really affects both of them truly mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. uh it's also it's also heartbreaking making their final coming together when they're just in bed holding each other at the very end so much more powerful and beautiful and then to leave on just to leave on that shot and the final shot of little a uh, little chiron just blue in the moonlight mm-hmm. yeah like i i i i was like this is i need some time to think about this movie this was an experience unlike anything else i have had in a yeah. very long time yeah i needed a glass of wine after that i did <laughs> yeah i did yeah, yeah. and so why did why did moonlight resonate the way it did was it is it just because it is a good movie or is it, or was it right movie literally the right time i think it's a mix of things I, I i think it's um it's sort of like a perfect storm kind of situation it, it's it's the themes it's the subject matter and it's honestly it's the content and it's and it's uh going back to what we said earlier it's these characters that you don't normally see the humanity of and this movie does such a great job at taking you know characters that you walk may have walked into the movie with all kinds of preconceived notions about what's going to happen how's this going to be and the whole thing like i said once i knew this was about drug dealing I was like, oh boy, here we go. And any minute now, uh, a, a freaking El Dorado is going to come around the corner. It's going to be some cat <laughs> in, a, in a baseball cap. Black cat, black cat, black cat. Didn't happen. Didn't yep. happen. And, you know, this was, it, it literally disguised itself as one thing. And then it left you with, with a completely, it, it, it was like, it was like going back to the chef special. It, it it's like putting a dish in front of you and you think it's chicken and it's tilapia and it's like it, it's like oh shit you know it, that's what that's what happens so yeah was it the um it's not political in any way it's not a political movie it's 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 just a no, lo- it's, you know, it's, it's it's just a love story but does the fact that it is written by uh you know a black you know black man directed by a black man Starring an all-black cast, does that very fact in this day and age make that a political movie? I mean, you can politicize it from the standpoint of, I, I, I guess, if somebody wants to turn around and pull the whole, well, if we do that, then it's da da da. You know, it's like somebody wants to call a reverse racism card. Let's say, uh, then that. You know that becomes a thing. That would not be my choice, but I'm, you know, I and I would not see the point of that. You know, there there are, you know, and and I hate to say this, but there are plenty of people who live in this country and go for days and days and days without seeing a white person, mm-hmm. unless it's a police officer, ah. you know, uh, or a school teacher, you know, and sometimes not even that. So. Um, you know, it, it, and, and, and I say it's unfortunate because, you know, at the end of the day, if I'm going to now politicize this part of the discussion, 
at, at the end of the By day, we, we, we've got to get to know each other, <laughs> you know, so that way we see each other the way we see these characters in Moonlight. I see your humanity, you see my humanity, namaste, you know what I mean? Right. It's like, that. that's what the country fucking needs. Right. And that way, you don't have people thinking that, oh, I need a job so badly that I'm going to ignore the fact that this guy is racist, sexist, and all this other stuff, and he's probably going to hurt a bunch of people, and then I'm going to turn around and vote for him, and then the next thing you know, he ends up hurting me too. So, yeah, we all uh, we all just want to be loved. That's what I that's what I got from it. You know, it's a it's a mm-hmm. movie that one best picture that brings humanity to a section that a lot a lot of America does not see, and it, it helps you know bridge that gap. Saying, "Hey, I'm a, I'm a human. You're a human. You just want." Someone to understand. You just want someone to hold you, to, to understand you, to love you, and that's a very beautiful thing. No matter what color you shine under the moonlight. Uh, so, SVP, we normally ask the question: the uh, what did this movie deserve Best Picture? I think obviously it did, but it's also won like less than a month ago. So it has had its legacy hasn't been really cemented. So I guess the question is. What do you think its legacy will be in the coming years? Will it just be Envelope Gate, or will it be this movie is? Oh God, I, I should I should certainly hope not. What I think, what I think, or what I hope in terms of legacy is that this opens up the door for yet more and more non-stereotypical portrayals of people of color. That's that that would be, you know, that that the door is kicked even further open because no matter what, there's always like even even with me and my fellow POCs that are in the Horror Writers Association, we're always getting hit with this. Well, this is a great story, but we don't know how to market it or this is a great story, but we don't know who who would read this or it doesn't really fit with our theme of our magazine or our anthology or all or you know whatever so um you know i think we need we need to get more to the point where good stories are good stories and you know humanity can be recognized no matter what the uh what the what the shell is and there you have it folks this has been the oscar watch podcast on moonlight you can find us at uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Oscar Watch Pod. Be sure to write us an email at OscarWatchPodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing your feedback. We enjoy it oh so very much. Mr. Steven Van Patten, SVP, thank you so much for joining me on this con- for this conversation this evening. Uh, well, thank I, you for having me, brother. I had so much fun getting to catch up with you a little before before the show, during the show, maybe a little bit after yeah. the show. Um, if people want to find your life, your works, maybe where to buy it, where can they go? Um, outside of Amazon, you can go to laughingblackvampire.com. Uh, and we're uh, also, uh, the guys I was talking about earlier, we uh, 
have a, a little podcast, uh, Beef, Wine, and Shenanigans. Uh, we do, uh, we record right here in uh, my lovely apartment uh, twice a month. Uh, so you'll be able to, yeah, you'll be able to uh, catch us on Blog Talk. We, we have a Facebook page, so you can find us there. Beef, Wine, and Shenanigans. Uh, and yeah, uh, Instagram, Twitter, it's at SVP Thinks. I, I, I'm pretty much all over the place. I'm very easy to find. Yes. Very easy. And very easy to talk to. So start up a conversation, folks. This has been Oscar Watch. We will return next week with a movie. I'm not entirely sure yet. It's a surprise for both you and me. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves out there. And until next time, we will see you on the red carpet.